finally George Washington says, put my frying pan down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, too bad you guys never hear that joke. Welcome to the Cody Crossman <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> That's the best I, joke I've heard in a long time. I just want to know what went off in your mind to connect one of the presidents with a frying pan. Just... Uh, I don't know. I didn't plan anything, so those are just the words. That... Well, that wasn't apparent at all that you hadn't planned. But, uh... <laughs> so we're back for another week of the Coyote Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things fitness, mostly CrossFit, and get the opinions and knowledge from Coach Hunter, Coach Chris. It's going to be another great episode, don't you think, Chase? Uh, yep. What else would you say? Uh, good luck on eighteen three. Did you break the barrier? I think. Yeah. Who knows when no, this is I coming out? No, I fixed it. Hey, here's one yeah. thing we're going to talk about today. Is it's going to be very interesting for our listeners. We're actually talking about another hot button topic inside of fitness. Something that comes up no matter what form of fitness you're engaged in. Usually, this is the thing that drives you to adopting. We would say a fitness lifestyle uh, in the way that we approach things, but most people are, are driven to the gym because of this reason, and it is weight loss. I know this has been a big part of your journey, Chase, as a 115-pound man. Thank you. Searching out weight loss. Uh, but for most of us, unless we have the metabolism of, I don't know, a cheetah like you, uh, weight loss is a big issue for us. We probably haven't learned how to eat correctly growing up. We definitely are becoming a more sedentary culture. So this is just made Definition? its way. Sedentary? Yeah, yeah. Sitting uh, around and doing nothing. Yeah, a word here which means... Cool, I just I knew Tim would ask, so not I don't moving. Ask. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Along with uh, CrossFit comes a limited vocabulary, apparently. But uh, it's just a big problem, especially in nationwide for us, and that as, as technology has moved into our life more, we don't realize how little we're moving. But we do realize when we put those pants on heading to work and suddenly we can't get them buttoned. That's how it goes. So today we're going to hear from our... Head trainers about what it what weight loss actually is, how we need to approach it correctly, how fitness can help with that, how nutrition can help with that. Just a huge topic we're going to break down. So I'm going to throw it to you, Chris, today to get us started. Just giving us a basic definition or a way to wrap our mind around how we can bring an idea of nutrition into this weight loss. Yeah, I know that I can speak from uh, experience before I really started to uh, research it and really look into it. The concept of changing uh, of changing your body can really seem like a uh, a daunting task, you know, especially when you have a bunch of things thrown at you, um, you know, things to eat, not to eat, but then how much of it should you eat and when should you eat it and this and that. And to me, it, it a lot of things can be made much simpler when you have a really really good understanding of it, and that's where. Uh, where a lot of people are really uh, are really lacking is that they they don't know what is actually happening when they when they gain weight or when they lose weight. And so since we're on the topic of losing weight, I mean, I'll just straight up ask you, Ben, what do you think happens when we lose weight? How do we how do we actually lose fat? Well, I can say my personal journey. What what I started doing is reading uh, labels. And looking at calories and seeing how much stuff, how many calories and the particular things, usually people start with soda. Okay. You don't realize that the larger the container, there's probably more than just one serving in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you start saying, okay, well, if I'm taking in this many calories, then I've got to burn more calories than that. And as long as I'm burning calories more than I'm taking in calories, then I'm going to lose weight. I mean, that's I think that's the general thing. Right? Yeah, that's, that is a perfect answer for what I'm uh, for what I'm looking for you're uh, I mean and, and you're not you're not incorrect you, um, but 
you're thinking like several steps down the road. I'm asking like, what do you think directly caught you have fat in your body? Like how biologically, it, what happens? Yeah. How where does, does it get, the fat go? Where how does, does it get go? out of your body? Yep. Th- things leave your body. How do things leave your body? Well, yeah. well that's a, <laughs> kind of a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, what immediately comes to mind is that, and I, I don't know, that's just a very basic stuff for me. Maybe I was taught in junior high school, but you have to um, expend energy and your body's got to pull from particular places to fuel that effort. And mm-hmm. it's going to go, The what I was taught is it's going to go to fat last. So you just got to work yourself into the ground yeah. to try to use up those that energy. Sure. And the more energy that you're expending, your body's going to have to fuel that somehow. And it'll pull from the fat storage yeah. uh, that you've spent, I don't know, 15 or 20 years building up. You do a 20-minute workout, it's going to go to that storage. So you mean when I start working out to lose fat, I'm undoing all my hard work yeah, of storing that fat? <laughs> that's the idea. But I mean, the way guys would describe it um, uh, years ago is it's, it's coming out out in the sweat man the more you sweat the more fat you're burning okay so now you're getting closer to the right track things things have to leave your body one way is um sweating and it's still that's still not directly how it happens and it's not not by sweating you don't not by urine you don't pee it out you don't poop it out it's not a miracle man so so do uh so do this for me take in a deep breath now breathe out Congratulations. You got acutely a little bit skinnier. Oh, okay. I'll be right back. What? I'm going to do that a few more times <laughs> yeah. in the hall. <laughs> well, that was easy. That's a lot easier than CrossFit. I can yeah. tell you that. Mm. Just breathing deeply. Yeah. So I'll explain to you uh, what I mean by that. When you uh, when you breathe in, you're, bre- you're bringing in oxygen, right? You're bringing in O2. So we're going back to uh, you know, eighth grade biology. I think it's O here. squared. Yeah. yeah. O squared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two on top. <laughs> when, you, uh, when you breathe out, what are you breathing out? CO2. Stress. Mm-hmm. What's the C stand for? carbon exactly very good oh i'm so smart smiley face thanks man yeah so um okay so carbon there's uh there's kind of the key thing here all of the uh the macronutrients in your body in their uh, stored form are essentially just long chains of carbon okay the fat the the uh carbohydrates the muscle they're all made of of just long chains of carbon that's the way they're stored in the body okay when you breathe in and you breathe out you are at, you are creating energy from those carbon sources. So then you have this. Uh, you breathe in, gives you energy. You have this free floating carbon. When that carbon breaks off, that's what produces energy. So you got this carbon floating around in your body. It links up with the oxygen that you're bringing in. You breathe out. It leaves the body. Okay. So um, when you uh, when you look at that, what you are really doing when you're breathing is you're taking away those carbons a little bit at a time and pushing them out of the body. Okay. So, so how, so now how do we lose fat? If I tell knowing that what comes to your mind when you think about losing fat, uh, getting to an aerobic state where you're just like, you're breathing heavily okay. and sustaining that over a longer period of time, breaking down that carbon as much as possible mm-hmm. until your energy storage is used up. Yep. But you would want to, you know, be able to fuel your body to be able to sustain that level of activity longer. Right. Good. So basically what you're trying to do if you want to lose fat is you want to essentially uh, put out more carbon than you're bringing in. Right. Makes sense. So the way that you uh, the way that you're going to be able to do that is by having an, an effective exercise program and nutrition program that can facilitate that and making sure 
that you are breathing enough. I mean, what happens when you uh, when you do tough exercise? You're going to breathe harder. You're going to breathe more. You're going to try to bring in more oxygen. Okay, and you're fueling your body with uh, with food. If you give the body too much food, instead of uh, instead of using all that carbon, it's going to store. Uh, in the um, in the muscles first, and then the liver, and then it's going to spill over into fat cells. That's where the excess is going to go. So it becomes this balancing act of uh, being active and um, and making sure that you are controlling your portions. And at the base of all of that, what I want to kind of get into today, you know, not only talking about nutrition, but also lifestyle factors that will make this whole process, this um, being able to send out carbons that will make you a more make you more efficient at that so what you're describing so far i I love what you're pulling out is this idea gets very personal very quickly when it comes to weight loss yeah the stuff that you've been describing even just to get us into this topic shows that everybody is the same this is a complaint that we hear often inside of the gym at the at the base level, yes, yes this yeah. is what's happening with everybody. But most people say, well, my body does this, or I was just born with this particular body type, or if you ever met my parents, you would understand. But what you're saying is the body will do this. If you are breathing in heavily, breathing out, this is how the body responds to that in order to stay active. Yes. If you're um, taking in too many calories, then it's going to go here, here, and here. So you're just neutralizing this threat, basically, by saying everybody is, is basically fighting at this level. Mm-hmm. I don't want to oversell simplify but everybody in their in their weight loss journey is fighting the same battle but you're you're proposing i hear in the way that you're talking about it so far today is that we can actually leverage these responses of the body to do good things for us instead of the negative things that we're probably experiencing yes and now i want to throw out there too that the body does not like sudden change so people that have been or extreme changes so somebody that has been hardcore under eating for a long time something that i think hunter is going to talk about later and that we discussed before is metabolic adaptation where the basically that process the metabolism how we metabolize getting that carbon out of the body will slow down to the point where it, it will become damaged and it needs to be fixed so, but in a vacuum, yes, this is how it works for everybody. Yeah. So Hunter, I do hear you have this conversation and I would say almost daily inside of our gym where people are kind of in this state of panic. But what I hear you peeling back, and I'd love you to do that for our listening audience right now, is that most people think nutrition is actually deprivation. They just think if I, if I would just eat less, then I'm, I'm being better and I'm doing all the things that I've been taught from magazines to shows to guys that, that have been in the uh, just the standard gyms all these years. If I will just eat less, then that's the way to get. And in fact, we have people, you have people that come into Coyote that are thinking about joining up, getting involved with OnRamp, and they've been at this, this nutritional deficit for probably months trying to get ready to come in and push themselves into this state that Chris is describing. What's this kind conversation like when you have it with with a member saying hey you're under you're under eating you're not you don't have this stuff in balance you've got this sudden change and now your your uh, metabolism just all out of whack how do you get somebody to the right place there yeah well first i think what you got to do is figure out exactly what they are eating because typically what i find with just about everybody is nobody has any idea how much they're eating if you ask any given person what their diet looks like they're they'll always say oh it's pretty good you know, pretty much to a person. And so 
for, okay, well, for the listening audience, I just want to point out that you paused directly <laughs> at me when you said that. It felt it did not feel general, Hunter. It felt very specific when you said no, that. No, I mean, it, I mean, it's just everybody. You know, every every person that goes through on ramp, we talk about their diet, and they always say, "Oh, it's pretty good," or you know, it probably could be a little bit better, but it's not that bad. So then I say, okay, well, let's kind of just walk through what what a day looks like, what a week looks like eating, and they'll kind of talk me through it. And, you know, if you're adding up in your head what they're eating, they're probably telling you about six or 700 calories a day. So I say, okay, well, we need to get a little bit more specific. Um, let, why don't you write down what you eat for a week, you know, or even, even a couple of days. And then we can kind of start breaking that down and, and taking a look and seeing what it is that they eat. Because, you know, first off, people don't have any idea what they're eating. They have no idea what the macronutrient breakdown is. They don't have any idea how many calories are in what they eat. And then they don't realize what they're eating when, especially when they're eating out, when they go out to eat, they don't, they're, they're not, they're looking at the menu and looking at the chicken or whatever that they're getting and thinking that it's pretty healthy and don't realize all the fat and sugar that's added to everything. And so we got to get a handle on first off how much you're eating and what that looks like. And then once we get that, then we can start saying, Hey, you're, way under eating and it's not in one day it's over like a, a average period so people might under eat during the week and then overeat on the weekend because they're so hungry because they starve themselves all week and then that go in that vicious cycle you also have to take into account uh, alcohol that you're taking in that adds up a lot of ca- calories they don't a lot of times they don't take into account the drinks that they're having you know you're, if you're having a sweet tea with lunch every day that's gonna you know you're you're calories are going to go through the roof for your total thing a uh, week. So you got to look at over a period of time, what are you averaging? What's your average intake per week? Then you can determine, okay, hey, this person's eating 800 calories a day. You know, they weigh 150 pounds and they're doing a CrossFit workout five times a week. They, they're definitely have some metabolic damage because they have been chronically underfeeding themselves for such a long period of time that their metabolism has slowed itself down because it's in starvation mode. They're not getting near enough to eat. And then, or on the other end of the spectrum, it'll just be, Hey, this person doesn't realize how much they're eating. They're eating. They might be un- They might think they're eating good Monday through Thursday and they probably, they might be under eating Monday through Thursday, but then they're more than making up for it on the weekend. Like, especially in here, uh, in the South where we're from, you know, they go to a tailgate on Saturday They're They don't realize they're grazing all day long. They go out to eat after church on Sunday. Uh, they go out to eat Friday night with friends, have a couple of drinks, have happy hour. Next thing you know, they're having five, six, 7,000 calories in a day. That's bumping their average way up. So I think awareness of, of what they're eating is the first step to diagnose Hey, whether they they just don't have any idea how much they're actually eating or, hey, they're way under eating and we need to fix that. So most people haven't been taught just the, the fun to, fundamental stuff about what it is you're taking into your body. And it's research has shown your memory recall over food. I, this is something that you it's bring one of, up. It's one of the worst recalls that people have. Yeah, yeah. So when you ask somebody in the gym, how's your nutrition, how's your diet, the first thing they do is pause. Oh, I, I eat pretty good. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. They're like not mm-hmm. telling you about the stuff on the weekend, and they're thinking about the special K in the morning and then, you know, the stuff that they're under eating. One thing that you're really good at, Chris, is, is breaking things down and saying, okay, let's attack first things first. So now that we understand what's basically happening in your body and how 
how weight loss occurs and that we've got to approach some stuff, let's be honest, that most people are avoiding. I don't want to get into a gym and breathe heavy for long periods of time. That's like the opposite of what I want to do. I just want to eat less or let's just call this out. I want to pay this company to tell me what to eat for every meal so I don't have to think about it. Most people just take a very passive approach to weight loss by passing the buck, just paying someone else to think about it for them. You you take an athlete that comes into Coyote and they're just all spun around, all this stuff that Hunter's talking about that you've talked about. You're doing these calculations as you're in a conversation with an athlete and you want to talk about um, handling nutrition specifically for weight loss. Where do you start with a client? Yeah, generally the first thing that I uh, that I want to know, you know, first is uh, like Hunter was saying, what we want to create awareness. Okay, so I'll I'll do that. I'll have them um, show them how to track their food, and I'll you know I want to see it. But the other thing too is uh, is I want to know about their I want to know about their lifestyle. I want to know about how they uh, how they handle stress, how much sleep they're getting, and stuff like that. Because people people don't realize that. Stress, uh, stress at work, stress at home, stress in the gym. The body just perceives it as stress. The body makes adaptations to that stress. And now, too much stress. If we overflow the uh, the amount of stress that you're capable of of handling, it results in things like uh, like inflammation. Um, you know, being uh, being more tired and stuff like that. And um, it, I mean, it, everything. It's all it is all connected in such a way like you know, for uh, for example if you're not uh, if you're not getting a lot of sleep you're going to be more irritable so you're going to uh, go off more on people around you and that's going to frustrate you and uh, when you and uh, it's going to make you even more tired when you're more tired you tend to do things more on autopilot so like like we were talking about that memory recall, a lot of, a lot of reasons that people have such terrible food recall is because they're so stressed, their mind is on a thousand different things. They're just sitting there, maybe at their desk, and they're just snacking the whole time. They don't know, they don't realize that they just went and refilled their sweet tea four times that day, and um, it all it all adds up. So I want to really look at how they're managing stress, how well they're sleeping, and then I want to look at their uh, their food hygiene you know do they do they sit down and they do they try to take time to eat they they invest time into eating um with no distractions no screens actually concentrate on putting the food in their mouth chewing it until it is chewed maybe even have a conversation with somebody while they're eating so that they can put the fork down and talk and t- and give the food time to absorb and digest and then um after that, I want to look at the first real, the first real like building block of their, of making like a macronutrient profile is we're going to set goals on protein. Now, I know me and Hunter have talked about this all the time. If we're if you could only hit one goal every day for your uh, for your nutrition, it needs to be uh, it needs to be protein in our opinion because it's a, a one. It's going to help you with satiety. It's going to keep you feeling fuller longer. Oh, uh, another okay. definition, pretty he, pleased. He was just giving it, and you yeah. interrupted him. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I need a simpler definition <laughs> yeah. of the definition. It's yeah. cool. so it it's, makes you feel full. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. Hey, here's your simple definition. <laughs> You'll not eat so much. <laughs> is, that, is that simple enough for you, too? Yes, thank you, You sir. put fork down, you fool. <laughs> also known as satiety. There you go. Nah, but, that's uh, what I was looking for. Satiety means satiety. Yeah. But uh, but it also, it, um, it, uh, it helps uh, support muscle growth. So 
the more lean muscle mass a person has, the higher their metabolism will be because the body has to actually work harder to support that muscle mass. And, um, but, uh, but all of that, it comes, it comes down to that. All of that, all your macronutrient balance and stuff like that, it can all be negated by poor lifestyle choices, not going to sleep. Uh, another thing that stress does is that it'll also mess with your, uh, with your absorption. If you're stressed out a lot, you're probably, uh, having some digestive issues, not to get too crude about it. Yeah, no, I, under, I definitely see where you're going. Because that definitely what, wouldn't be our style. Yeah, we're not a crude <laughs> podcast. What What's so fascinating to me, though, is, um, and this happens, it seems, week after week, we, we take this topic that people, just in a way to try to manage it, have really oversimplified it. The yeah. danger in that is they're fighting against themselves. I mean, I'm listening to you describe all these things, and I'm thinking, if the only thing I'm doing is going to Fitness Pal and drinking enough protein shakes to get the thumbs up at the end of the day, but I'm only getting five and a half hours of sleep, I was stressed at work, my kids are stressing me out, uh, my wife never stresses me out, just in case she's listening to this, <laughs> but then I go to the gym and I'm, and I'm stressed, so my whole day was just stress, and this leads to a lack of sleep because you sit down in front of a screen and you're just trying to decompress yeah. and then you you know before you know it it's 1 a.m uh mm-hmm. if you if your whole day is just full of stress so you have to be intentional about the stress or yeah. all this work that we're talking about with nutrition it's just interesting to me how many minutes we are into this podcast and we're not saying okay you need to have this much kale in a day you need to make sure that you're dipping your fork in your dressing and not putting the dressing on the salad yeah all that stuff all, that people all, focus on yeah yeah all of that all of that are you know hacks that are that are effective but uh but if you're if you're not building it on the baseline of making sure that you are getting enough sleep practicing good food hygiene getting the right amount of protein for the day then it doesn't really matter so let's talk about this for just a second that that to me would be step one yeah i agree i agree i definitely agree with you now that you've given uh that part of the speech there I'm, i'm all in hunter this is something you talk about a lot i'd really love for you to bring into this conversation because most people will start this process and they get they get overwhelmed and they don't have the why to lean on. You know, why why are you doing this? Especially this time of year where people are starting to think about, man, I'm going to be out at the pool, I'm going to have less clothes on in public and man, I'm ready to kind of kick it into gear because summer's on its way. Um, the why becomes really important with all the stuff that Chris is talking about. If I'm going to sit at a table in a different way and eat my meal differently three times a day, I have to have a pretty strong foundation of why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you're looking at the why you need to be internally motivated, external motivators are only going to last so long. So if your motivation is just to look good for the beach or whatever, I want to lose 10 pounds. Yeah, that might get you motivated for a little while, but it's not going to be sustainable over a long period of time. You need to have more of an internal motivation like, hey, I I want to live a healthier lifestyle so that I can um, live longer and spend more time with my grandkids so I don't go to the nursing home um, so I feel better. All you know, Just have a better overall quality of life. Those are the type of motivators that are going to keep you going you know, in the right direction for a long period of time. You know, if you just say, Hey, I got a beach trip coming up in the month I want to get ready for, that's not going to be sustainable. And, and that, that leads me to something that I really want to dig into is the word diet is, has been so demonized Mm. in modern society now. And I think it's completely messed up the way people eat. Um, people think of diet as, 
this is a, a month-long thing that I'm going to do so I can lose 10 pounds really quick. Well, that is completely wrong, and it's going to mess yourself up. And Chris talked about metabolic damage. It's going to mess your body up in the long term. And it, I, I hate, hate when 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 gyms or other people promote this 30 day weight loss challenge that we're going to do and we're going to crash and we're just, people are just going to go on a liquid diet and they're going to lose all this weight, blah, blah, blah. Well, what happens when you get off? What happens when the third days are up? Coming right back. You're going to put, you're probably going to get put on more weight. And then you've not only are you going to put the weight back on, but you have messed up your, your metabolic state to where now your metabolism slower. And the next yeah. time you do it, it's you, not going to work as well. Yeah. I mean, you will probably make it even harder to do it the next time the, the body remembers going into uh, going into that kind of damage and if it senses that hey it's losing weight it doesn't want to go back there again yep yep so we when we do weight loss challenges we're not doing it as hey let's see who can lose the most weight in 30 days we're doing it in hey let's teach these people a way that they can eat sustainably for years and years and years if you look at any person that you think is fit or looks good or lean they are they did not get that way through a crash diet they got that through consistent eating healthily and consistent working out over a long period of time that's the that's the recipe for success and if you go to other parts of the world where there's most people are healthy and fit that's just because that's the way they eat day in and day out but in western society it's hey i'm going to bulk up over the winter because i'm not doing a whole lot but summer's coming so i need to go on a crash diet so i can lose weight so i can look good on the at the beach on the fourth of july but then as soon as beach season's over it i'm going to put it back put the weight back on and they go up and down and they're just completely messing their metabolism up and it's just it's such an epidemic now that diet has become such this phrase of hey this is just something i'm doing for a short period of time then i'm not going to worry about it diet should be a lifestyle it should be a way that we eat every day over for the rest of our life yeah I think um, a good place to go to next would be uh, let, let's kind of let's try to touch base with the people that are let's say they somebody's a year into uh, <clears throat> a year into uh, their time at our gym. We've been working with them. They understand how to track their macros. They've been working out for a while, and uh, maybe um, it's a. Uh, it's been uh, it's been over the over the winter, so they they've got a little bit of holiday weight on, and they say, okay, so now they're uh, they're disciplined. They want to be able to make the changes. They have the ability to do that. Let's talk about what changes we're going to recommend to that person. Okay? Yeah. So like I know that uh, I know like uh, like you, Hunter, and um, and most of our competitors during the off season, we're going to try to uh, train at a heavier at a heavier weight. So we are in a uh, in a col- in a caloric surplus for most of the time so we're going to try to put on a little bit of mass and then as we get closer to competition we start to lean down a little bit let's talk about uh what are some things uh, to take into consideration to um to lean down uh considering you have put the weight on correctly yeah so that's just going to be you know figuring out uh, what you're eating and how much you need to eat and sticking to it consistently. Um, you know, y- you figure out, all right, I've been tracking my macros consistently for a, uh, however long a period of time, and I'm eating on average this amount per day, and my weight is staying the same or I'm even gaining. Okay, so let's let's subtract a few calories per day 
and see what happens. So if you, if you weigh less than 200 pounds, you might say, all right, I'm going to take away 200 calories, uh, per day and, and see what happens. Um, track that for a couple weeks, track your weight, see, see where you're at. You'll probably maybe lose, you know, a half pound to a pound, uh, a week and then say, okay, I'm happy with that, that rate. I'm going to continue to do this. Or it, Hey, if you're not losing weight, then maybe, uh, subtract, another hundred calories a week. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, just jump in and say, all right, I'm going to cut a thousand calories out a day. You want to do it, you know, slowly, incremental. Over, yeah, yeah. Uh, incremental over a period of time. And then, so then you'll get to where, okay, you know, I wouldn't recommend trying to lose much more than a pound a week, yeah. especially if of uh, competing is your, is, is important to you. Yeah. Um, that's going to be, I mean, if you add it up, if you lose a pound a week in a year, that's 52 pounds in a year. Yeah. That's a really, really good so, pace. Chase, could you check that math real quick? <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> so, not, so nah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I just want to kind of confirm what you're saying. Uh, what you're saying is I don't have to cut carbs completely out of my diet. No. Now that that's crazy talk because carbs are the enemy, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Carbs no. Are, are your energy. You know that's yeah. what that's what the the preferred fuel source for your brain is. It's the this the fuel source you're using when you're doing high intensity workout. So you want carbs. They're they're very important. If you don't have enough carbs, you're not going to be able to have a good workout, and that that's going to slow down your rate of weight loss because you're not able to push yourself as hard. Yeah. And, and like Chris talked about, push out more carbon every time. Yeah. So I should, I should eat more uh, Snickers like before every... That, well, when they say carb, that's what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Snickers well, bar. Well, look at the, uh, look at the uh, wrapper. How much fat is in a Snickers bar too? I think... A lot. A lot. Yes. <laughs> you, you don't want fat right before you work out. It's going to be sitting heavy in All your right, So just pure Hershey's kisses right before a workout. It depends on how much you plan on working out. <laughs> that's fair. I won't mm-hmm. row a mile. One thing that you guys are pointing out, though, I think it's very critical to just highlight this for for the audience here, is that there's a a definitive tone of pace here in everything that you guys are talking about. So when you get into the world of fitness, then then it's just the way that it's been marketed. It is 30 days. It is six months. It is 90 days. Uh, But we just have found that CrossFit really breaks all of those uh, barriers and stereotypes down. And people are looking back saying, how long have you been CrossFitting? They're saying, oh, three years, five years, six years, uh, because it is a sustainable way of approaching it. Most people who get involved, let's say they go couch to 5K, and then they turn into a runner. They're going to the specialty shoe shop to get running shoes they get all this stuff and they probably stick with it for about four and a half five yeah. months you you are decorating a rotten christmas tree yeah is what you're doing wow great word picture so then it just stops right it just stops but when you get involved with the lifestyle hunter as you're pointing out that's sustainable that's going to go the long haul then you've got time you have time to to lose a pound a week and then you get focused on other things, which we really don't have the time to talk about in this episode, but you get focused on things other than just how your pants are fitting. Yeah. You start thinking about how you're training, your body composition, all that stuff distracts you from focusing on the wrong things. And before you know it, you've been in the gym for two years and you like a different human. I mean, we yeah. see this all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a long-term thing. So, you know, think about it. If the average person lives 75 years and you're 30 years old, you got a long, long time left left on this in this world, and so you know thinking it about it thirty days, sixty days, two months is so short sighted. You need to look at it in the long term. Like, hey, if you have some metabolic damage and we need to fix that, and I, I don't know if we're going to go much deeper into that, but basically your metabolism is slowed down, so you're going to have to eat more 
to be able to get your metabolism to start speed back up again, um, you might put on a few pounds for a couple months. But that's you have to take into account that we're trying to fix yourself for the long term. We're not looking interested in the short term uh, weight gain or loss. That doesn't really matter. What we're looking for is long-term sustainability. And we want to get people to a place where they can find a sustainable diet that works for them for years. Because once you figure that out, you can do that for the rest of your life. You know, you're not going to be able to, to hold on to this crash diet for very long. And you're just going to mess yourself up in the long term. You want to find something that's sustainable that you can personally do for a long period of time. There are so many layers to this onion that you can't just, it, 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 it cannot just be about, I'm going to, I'm going to boot camp and I'm going to detox using this fruit that you can only find in Fiji or something like that. It is not that simple. Yeah, is that a thing? Uh, yeah. th- that all sounded very yeah. factually based. That's awesome. Oh yeah, people are doing this right That's for hilarious. sure. So, would you say? I uh, just want to throw this question out here because I just I have to get an answer. It's something that I'm getting clarity about. I need you to confirm for me. The people who are approaching their nutrition with this slow, sustainable pace, where we're making changes that are 200 calories at a time, not a thousand calories at a time, those people are going to present as more disciplined with their training inside of the box. Uh, they're not going to be the person that's just going to sit there for five hours until they accomplish the muscle up. They're going to to submit to y'all's leadership inside of the gym to say, no, you don't need to worry about the rings up there. Worry about the rings down here and working on your transitions, just developing that attitude towards fitness that is very, we're going to add this brick and then this brick and this brick. And that is sustainable. Those are the people that are in there for years at a time. You think those two things are closely connected? Absolutely. I mean, you don't, you're not a, you're not really going to be a, a, a different person from one, uh, from one to the next change rewards the person who is willing to pace. So use that muscle up for a, for an example, if somebody, you know, they want to do a muscle up and I want to, you know, I want to ask them, well, how many strict pull-ups can you do? How many strict ring dips can you do? Like, oh, well I can do, I can do one kipping pull up, but I can't do any dips. Like, okay, well, you want to get that muscle up at what cost? If you're able to somehow miracle kip your way into the rings and you get into the rings and you throw <laughs> and you uh, and you tear your you tear your pec, you know, okay, now you can't train for for eight months because you just ripped the pec off your chest. Nothing like a little topping that Sunday with a little miracle kip. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that phrase. That sounds like an '80s ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we've exposed uh, a big thing here where people are are not willing to incrementally pay the price over a long period of time. They end up paying a really big price. And this this is something we need to address. So many people sabotage their weight loss or sabotage their training by just being impatient. Yeah. And I mean, I want to I would like to to say this to the um, to uh, to the clients in our gym and to anybody that might be listening that wants that wants help with their nutrition that we are uh, we are available to uh, to help you and I just want them you know if they have been listening hopefully they they really grasp that we don't have miracles for you the only thing that's going to uh, the only we the only thing that's going to help you is your ability to comply with what we're telling you because it is not a it's not a total exact science. A lot of it is going to be a little bit of trial and error, figuring out what foods you can tolerate and get, you know, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But um, if you do want help, come to us with the idea of think long and hard about, are you, are you going to be willing to pace 
and comply. Yeah, such a such a big idea there. Hunter, you got anything to add as we're wrapping up this yeah, part? Yeah, I, I did want to kind of touch on one other thing. I just read a book called The Good Gut, and it talked about gut health and how important that is. Um, and it really opened my eyes to um, how um, – you know, we have as a society have really messed up our gut health and uh, the gut controls our immune system, it controls our brain function, it controls everything. They, they call it like the second brain of the body. And there's tiny, I won't go into too much detail, but there's microbes that are in the gut that help to break down food and all types of things. And through our modern, you know, diet, antibiotics, all that type of stuff, we have killed a lot of the good bacteria in our stomach and so if you take a you know an average american's uh gut and compare the amount of microbes in their gut compared to somebody in like south america or uh, asia we have like half of the good microbacteria that's why that we have developed so many health issues like gluten intolerance all types of things um so you know you, you that's something that to start being aware of is that hey I need good bacteria in my stomach. You know, if I'm taking a round of antibiotics three times a year, I've probably killed a whole lot of the good bacteria in my stomach. And a few, a few things you can do for that is like eat fermented foods, like uh, yogurt type of stuff. Take a take a good probiotic with a lot of different strains. Eat more vegetables. You know, we talk. You know, vegetables are are some of the healthiest, probably the healthiest food that you can eat. You need to be eating a lot of vegetables at every meal and a lot of different types. You know, you need a, a higher fiber content in your meal, uh, in your meals. Uh, so, you know, a few have small things. Have, have a good color base yeah, with the vegetables, yeah. too. Yeah, a what's lot the of vegetable colors. list? Because I know there's some vegetables that are kind of borderline useless to your diet. Corn. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I think anything like green, uh, anything green is going to be good. You know, peppers, stuff like that. I mean, there's all kinds of vegetables that are really, really good for you. I think if you're just constantly varying it up and getting a wide variety of vegetables and trying to get some with every single meal, it's going to be really good for your gut. It's going to it's going to help out a lot of different functions, and it's also going to help you feel fuller. You're going to be eating that stuff instead of a whole lot of other junk. So I would say start thinking about that. If you want to dig into it more, just start doing some research on gut health, and you know maybe we can talk about it more in the future. Um, but that's very important. Then also drinking more water. You know, most people don't drink near enough water. I would oh, say, yeah, that was the other thing. I would say a good, a good starting point would be half your body weight in ounces. Um, and if, until you start tracking it, you probably realize, wow, I'm not even getting close to that. And then if you start drinking water, instead of having diet sodas or tea or whatever with your meals, all of a sudden you're cutting out more calories with your meal and then you feel better. Like, uh, I know Chris and I've talked about, he, he drinks 20 ounces of water every morning, right? When he wakes up, gets in the shower and he feels like he's, he's wide awake. Once he gets out of the shower, he feel like it ha- feels like he had a cup of coffee. I've started focusing on drinking more water. Everything just runs better. It feels better. If you actually look at the body, the body composition is mostly water anyways. So if you realize how much of your body is water, well, if you're slightly dehydrated, which I would say most of us are, um, everything's just not going to work quite right. So those are a couple, couple other takeaways that you can add, eat vegetables at every meal and, uh, make sure you're drinking a lot more water. A lot of this stuff that we're doing that's so bad for us. I think this is a, a great sense of freedom for the people that are listening uh, you're not the only person that has this problem it's like a societal issue uh, that we're on four rounds of antibiotics every year we're not getting enough water all of our foods are, are rich and calorie dense uh, but they're not helping fuel our bodies and there's this other thing we we need to address is that people's palates 
you you crave the things that you eat the most so you just you got to have more and more and more that's a very negative thing if you're having fried chicken three times a week right but it can turn into a very positive thing your body will actually flip and start craving those those vegetables that are actually full of flavor one thing one mistake that we make in the south though is if it's served in a pan full of grease and butter (laughs) then it doesn't count as a vegetable like you can't go to the local meat in three and get the green (laughs) beans you know if it has if it has an adjective like smothered or covered in front of it (laughs) so you're saying i can't go to waffle house anymore that's usually usually a strong indicator but we do want to encourage our listening audience to say small changes over a long period of time can make a very big impact so if you're talking if you're thinking about approaching fitness for weight loss i think that's a great thing to motivate you to get into an area of exercise it's also going to help you investigate all this other stuff and before you know it you're going to be a person that's paying attention to your macro count you're going to be a person that's paying attention to the type of probiotic that you're using you can't just go to your local grocery store and get one that's been there for three years Uh, you got to make sure that it's a particular quality but all this stuff doesn't have to be taken in 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 one spot i want to take us back before we transition to something that you said chris Uh, we just want to get down to the basics right now and talking about weight loss and make sure that we're doing the first things correctly then and we give this advice almost every week then we start adding the other stuff on there over time and we'll be in the place that we want to be we just got to be patient and we got to trust the people that know what they're doing and in our particular box it's the two of you guys right yeah all right so we that man that's what a, it yep what yep. a great what a great thing we <laughs> said it. just there that was awesome all right so now yes. we get to, now we get to, i'm rushing because i want to talk about this because i just i'm so opinionated about this particular topic we are actually going to break down because we just went through this wait hold on you didn't even do a little transition for no, us no 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 i'm ready i'm ready let's go well let's go to our favorite segment outside the box <laughs> nice <laughs> little delayed but we'll take it a little delayed and slightly disney but we'll go with it all right um, outside the box. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Gaston. Um, so, so we're going to break down the Winter Olympics, which some people would say is actually an oxymoron. There's no such thing as the Winter. It's Summer Olympics. That's redundant. Winter Olympics. I'm, I'm kind of in that camp too. Yeah, it's yeah, like I don't know. I'm watching. One's definitely more exciting. It's like than the, the stepchild of the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm watching it because it's on prime time. But no, I don't know that any of this actually looks like sport. We've just radically offended. Plus, we kind of suck at it. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We're, yeah. we're, we're in the not South. Canadian. Yeah. America's not good. We should pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> kind of like World Cup soccer. That's exactly it doesn't right. exist until we're good at it. Yeah, so we're watching the summer. It's just so much like that guy's throwing the javelin, the shot put, or those those girls like that. That swimsuit's going to come off any minute now. This volleyball <laughs> mat. So we're like riveted. We got to watch this. But everybody's so clothed in the Winter Olympics, right? So we're going to break. I don't want to see your Patagonia. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, a nice jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph Lauren scarf. <laughs> so I think we're all generally thinking this, but we just want to want to hash this out on the mic. Are the, are the Winter Olympics and these things that happen in the Winter Olympics, are they actually sports? I mean, there are people who have committed their life to train for these things, and they're hitting the alarm clock at 3 a.m. and going to get be the best at this. But there's something about it that feels like it's not sport. I don't know. I'm just really ready to hear There's this. one event that rises above all, and it's ability to be classed as a sport. And I think we all know what it is. <laughs> we know what's on its way. It's curling. <laughs> the greatest, yes, I said it, sport to ever exist, ever, between all Olympics. Because here's what I'll say. 
here's what here's how I can classify it as a sport. If you can call sharpshooting, archery, stuff like that a sport, then how the heck can curling not be a sport? It's an interesting way to start the argument. I, I need somebody. I would argue break. the other ones aren't sports. Uh, well, then that's <laughs> your prerogative. Well, I've got to. I've got to figure out though. I know a little bit about this. I know there's a very heavy object. There's ice. People are screaming and they have brooms, and they're trying to knock things out. I mean, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's, fa- it's basically bocce ball with shuffleboard. Mm-hmm. Oh well, now it's all real clear. On ice, <laughs> yeah. on ice, yeah. on ice. Alice, what was what was our favorite word earlier? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, full now, full <laughs> down. Yeah. Um, so here's a part of the problem, though, and I think we have to call this out. It's like it's like Babe Ruth at the end of his career. Yeah, I, mean, he's still, I remember that. He's still hitting home runs, but he can't run the bases. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. looking at these people, and you're thinking, okay, that's that person does not look like an athlete. Yeah. But we're calling this a sport. But you guys, there's something where Chase wants to give this one thing in the Winter Olympics a pass that it is a sport. Forget the people that are flying 60, 70 feet up in the air and landing. Well, and clearly, not Sean White's an athlete. I'm not taking it away from the redheaded stepchild of our generation, but I think also curling is – Skillful in its nature and excited. I personally think it's exciting to watch. What, what is it? What what even defines a sport, anyways? What is I've it? actually got that pulled up. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Well, All right. Well, take it away, Chris. And, and Wikipedia says <laughs> an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Now, the the big thing that jumps out at me is physical exertion. If you don't think those sweepers' forearms are jacked, <laughs> you are kidding yourself. Don't let the jackets fool this, you, man. They're ripped I, out I, there. I, that is where the gray area is I, for me. I think me. physical exertion is relative. You know, I, I think... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but I, I I would say it's a sport. I mean, I mean, it does take a lot of skill. I mean, you got to practice at it. I think, uh, you know... you it's not something that just anybody can walk out there and be the best of the world at. It's going to take a lot of skill and physical exertion. They are exerting themselves physically. You know, they're not getting out of breath, but I mean, they're still doing it. Did, did you guys ever see, it was, a, it was some dating website commercial where this, uh, this girl's at a, at a bar on a blind date and there's a guy, she's there with the guy that she's with is playing darts and he's got like his, uh, his team, his dart team jacket on. And she's like, so is our darts? Is that really a sport? And he points at his jacket. He's like, I don't know. Are these real sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's the measure now. Can we monitor? But I mean, it, like right? golf. I mean, you know, you don't really get out of breath playing golf. I mean, if there's John a lot- Daly can play a sport, then it's yeah. There's not a lot of sport. There's not. You know, there's a lot of sports where you're not necessarily getting out of breath. I don't think, you know, that necessarily defines what a sport is. Yeah. But uh, it does take a lot of skill, and it's hard. I mean, yeah. obviously, but. I just I love the picture of the U.S. men's curling team of the guys that won the gold medal, and I, there was like a meme going around. It, it looked, said it these looked, looked like a bunch of select softball. Coaches. Yeah, well, it said it looked like these guys could grill a mean burger and wear, wear New Balances or something like that. So what we're pulling out, this is an interesting part of this debate, is that it, it they all qualify as sports. The real question is, do we respect it? That's that's the question. So as I'm watching this past year, I really started thinking. Man, this person has honed a skill enough to separate themselves from all the average yeah, the, Joes that do they this. They definitely get my respect on that end. Yeah, there's a lot had, of work that goes into it. They had the discipline to work on that. Yeah, for some reason, like, and I don't know if it is personal experience, but I, when I look at all the skiing stuff, 
I'm like, whoa, because there's there's an element of danger. I saw a couple of crashes this year where I thought the person was dead. I mean, they were they were really pushing it to the limit. So that part of it, I think it lines up with what we feel like is athleticism, which turns into us giving it a pass as a sport. But you're, when you're looking at downhill, a couple of years ago uh, in the – I don't know if it was the luge or what it, what it was, but a guy like flew off. It was, yeah. yeah, Georgia. Yeah. yeah the and, Georgia guy died. And died. So, I mean, there's like – these guys are pushing physical from limi- limitations oh, from Atlanta. Yeah, 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 yeah right, Savannah, right to actually. the edge. So, I don't know. When I look at that, I think this guy's committed, or this girl, they've committed years of their life to this particular activity, and there are probably lots of other things. Let's be honest. If you're an Olympic athlete, you're probably good at a lot of other things too. You've just chosen to hone this particular skill, and if you make it to the Olympics, no matter what it is, even if it's the Winter Olympics, then you are in the top whatever point whatever percent of people that have ever tried that activity so what sport do you wish you were good at and like could compete in in the olympics this is going to create the funniest (laughs) mental picture that you guys have probably (laughs) ever had and i I don't know technically what it's called i guess it's like the long jump i don't know the the towers the skiing the ski jump yes the ski jumps like 99 (laughs) stories in the air yeah Yeah. can you picture me in one of those shiny tight shiny suits do you still have the beard that's (laughs) the question i have i would have to have the beard but just glued (laughs) to my face for aerodynamic purposes Uh, (laughs) ultra waxed just yeah ultra waxed man there's a there's the name of a product uh, but just the hang time, just to see how long those guys are in the air, and they look like a plane landing. I mean, it's just so it's so smooth the way yeah. those guys do that. And I can't imagine being in the air that long and holding my composure, wondering about how the landing's going to go. Mm. So I think they train jumping into swimming pools or something like that. But that's one I love to watch because it, it feels more like man, there's a huge element of danger in this particular... I think danger is important to me. I don't know why, but Mm. it's important to me in watching a sport to know if this goes poorly, it's going to go really bad. I feel like you watch it on TV and you don't really grasp like what those guys are doing. They're flying through the air like really really far like at a high velocity you, just yeah. imagine if you just if all you of a sudden are transported to the top of that thing and you just start going down like I'm about yeah. to fly through there and then I'm going to die. I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> like just imagine the type of skill it takes for those guys to fly through there and land on a ski. I just it blows my mind. I can't imagine what practice like started off like when you first start yeah. trying that sport. Like surely there's a lot of injury. I think about that and then also the uh the skeleton when they're going face, face first. first. Man, then, I was like, just thinking about here's that. Here's a uh here's a uh luge of ice. Let's just uh feet first now. Nah, let's go face first. It's <laughs> up to Annie. I'm yeah. kind of I'm kind of with you in that, like, it, I would want to be like, I would want to do one of the sports that has a certain level of danger to it. I don't know if I'm quite crazy enough to do the uh, to do the long jumps uh, though. So that's why I would be, I would want to be a bobsledder. Yes, oh, thank man. you. Yes, you stole mine too. So would you be the guy just the, would, in the back kissing the rear? I or think would you be I No, I'd have to be the driver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fun I don't want to be have my head down for the whole ride. I want to be watching. I think Chris and I are at proper weights where we can fit anywhere on the bobsled. Yes. We won't be a hindrance. I, I actually why. you I, just throw me in the front and yeah. put, put a little more weight in the front. Mm. <laughs> I would disagree with you guys on this, and then I, I was watching a lot of these, and I think it was uh, Germany that was supposed to win, but 
what happens at the top um, determines almost everything. So if the start yeah, is slow, exactly. then the driver can be as the best in the world. Mm-hmm. But if you lost six tenths of a second at the top, it's over. Yeah. So you see the people that are in the, that are in the back of these; they're just a beast and they're yeah. fast mm-hmm. out of the I'm block. Just, I'm just thinking, like, just in terms of like, you know, what a sport to play where you basically you go as hard as you can for about four seconds. And then it's like, and then it's like fifty seconds of just fun, like yeah. pure thrill. Well, like when, when you were a kid and you used to do the Hot Wheels tracks, you always be like, yeah. "Man, I want to be in that car." That's yeah. essentially what you're doing. <laughs> Ever, yeah, but you can't see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I saw Cool Runnings, I just thought yes. bobsledding was so cool. Mm-hmm. And I, and you talked about like the luge and the skeleton and like people flying off the track. So that's a little bit too dangerous. I don't think people fly off the track when they're doing the bobsled. I think they're not going quite as fast. The, the sled's probably not flying off. But, like, yeah, you talked about the skiing stuff. Like, it seemed like every single skier they highlighted had torn their ACL in the last four years. Mm. And then those people are eating it on the on the, uh, on the the course and all that type of stuff. So it looks like fun. But, yeah, the, you got to weigh the danger aspect of, hey, you could win the gold medal or you could die. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Either way, two extremes. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the way that we're talking about it. It's pretty pretty funny to me like i think as southern americans we do have this general disrespect for it until we start talking about it sure and then we're like yeah this is athletic this is sports these people are pretty incredible and especially with modern technology we can slow all this stuff down when they slow one of these runs down or they compare this was my favorite thing this year they compare two runs two different people all the way down the course mm-hmm. and the, these guys the commentators that know about the sports they're like this right here is what cost them the gold this particular part of the course yeah. they went three feet too far this way yeah my yeah. goodness and that sounds very much like crossfit too the mm-hmm. way that we talk about uh workouts and especially at the games this particular thing is what cost this athlete from being on the podium this year it, it, you know just being a sport of inches and feet that's pretty incredible so we're saying officially, as the Coyote uh, Fitness Podcast team, we do officially endorse the Winter Olympics. What What was your favorite one to watch? My, um, you know, th- this was the one thing about the Winter Olympics that uh, that got me. It was like all the sports, like you're either they're either won by points, like that you earn, or it's it's won by points that are given by like judging and stuff like that. So to me. Like I really enjoyed like watching Sean White go up and do do his thing and whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's really cool to see. But I don't know anything about it. I don't know how much how many points that flip he did was worth. I know it's really cool. I know I could never do that in a million years. And same with uh, like figure skating and all that. I would rather watch a sport where I can see this guy's in the lead. You know, will he win? He won because he crossed the line first or whatever. So I really enjoyed watching uh, the speed skating. I thought the speed skating was awesome. Speed skating was cool. The uh, the relay speed skating is interesting. You know, they can choose when they want to go in and they Mm -hmm. push the next guy. That was interesting. My favorite to watch, I really got into the biathlon. That was really, really cool this year. And I liked how... Just you could tell how exhausted those guys were when they crossed the finish line. They just all every single one of them when they crossed the finish line, they just fell face down into the snow, just going all out. And it's it's interesting to me to see they are so tired, but then they got to focus and shoot and hit the target. Um, and if you don't, you have have the penalty lap. That was really really cool. And then the ending to that uh, 
uh, cross country ski race where the American girl oh, yeah. passed at the very end. And like, you could tell, like Man, she just yeah, went, was awesome. dug super deep and just gave it all she had and barely beat the other girl. That was really, really, really cool. Bring a tear to your eye. Yeah, it really did. So yeah. yeah, that, that long distance skiing type stuff, it was really cool. Cause man, that is, you can tell that is really hard and exhausting. Just grueling. Yeah. It's a, it's cool to watch other people suffer. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I recognize that look. That's how I feel every day. I know at the that gym. feeling. Yeah. You're sitting there eating chips. Yeah. yeah. I actually said, to my wife when we were watching i said uh she's in the dark place yes <laughs> that's what we call it like everything has mm-hmm. gone dark and you just get in i think you really are able to see watching the cross-country stuff especially like these people are are giving effort from heart it, they're just making their body do what they need it to do to know that they'll be proud with, with the finish and then even the technical part of it is i was watching how they finish to make sure that that ski gets across as fast as possible. That muscle memory stuff is just really fascinating to me. The cross country stuff I loved watching because I was thinking they are so fatigued. They're so in the dark place. It's been, uh, what is some of it's like 30 minutes plus, right? The stuff that we were watching, we're watching the last few minutes because it's in prime time and they still know I've been trained as stressed as I am right now. I've been trained to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You know, that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool to me. Uh, I love watching all of it, really, except for the uh, the figure skating stuff. Just made me a little bit nauseous for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but the other stuff, I will say, um, is so entertaining. That was part of the definition. It's so enter- entertaining to watch. But, yeah, I would give the, the cross-country skiing. And I love that downhill stuff where they're just sitting on the edge of the, edge of the skis because so, I get so nervous that somebody's going to miss a gate. They very rarely – ever do but i'm thinking there's no way they can make that turn and then get back to the other and and these in these olympics the snow seemed to be particularly uh hard like ice almost and they were having a lot of trouble to see olympic athletes adjust and slow down um you know having to go slow and still trying to win the gold that's entertainment to me trying to trying to figure out as an athlete how to do that which one did you watch chase what was your big deal uh if you say figure skating, I'm going to hit you in the face. No, 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 no. I mean, you know which one it was. It's curly. <laughs> Is that you looping it back? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I meant what I said. I really, really love watching it. <laughs> and the fact that the U.S. was like, you know, in the dramatic end. Cinderella and, story, baby. Yeah, I managed to pull out the gold. Like, I don't care what the ratings were. Yeah. It deserved every bit of respect and honor that they uh, that they earned. So we're we gonna have a new a new movie here in the future, like the the second miracle. Dude, is going that to- would be incredible. <laughs> Who do you play for? I don't, and, I don't know. How they need to get the the broken lizard guys to uh, to direct. Uh, that it. would be so funny. I just don't. Know, I don't know how that doesn't end up being a B movie, really, because <laughs> the director can't take it seriously. I think we're on to something here. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's direct it. We probably need to wrap up our episode today. I just want to take a second to address our listeners and say it would really help us out if you guys would like, rate, and share the podcast to people around you. Oh, you're you're interrupting me. Recommends. Yeah, we do have to do the recommends. I recommend we do the recommends before I give the whole iTunes speech. We're good at hosting this. Yeah. Hey, I know what I'm doing. See what I did there? Yes. Uh, actually, Chris, I do know, has recommend some guy in Canada, some vague reference you were making to a guy in Canada earlier today I'd never heard of. Yeah, man. All you got to do is get on uh, get on YouTube, type in um, jo- uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. What's the uh, URL? Huh? What's the URL? www. Thank you. YouTube.com. Thank you very much. Continue. It's this, this new thing. It's great. Um, on the we need to get YouTube to come to our next podcast. <laughs> I'm sure they would. <laughs> I get it. I get the reference. Speak to Mr. Tube. 
So the uh, <laughs> he's a uh, he's a clinical psychologist from um, uh, from Canada who's uh, gained a lot of attraction uh, recently because of his uh, um, his book that he's uh, put out. It's called uh, Twelve Rules for Life, and um, it really goes deep into the uh, into the human psyche and you know why some people are the way they are, and some things that you can do if you're not happy with the way you are. Some things that you can do to uh, fix yourself and. I'll share, you know, one of the things that I discussed uh, with you earlier was the first chapter of his book. The first rule is uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back because, um, you know, one, it's a, it's a posture of confidence. It's a, uh, it's a posture of, uh, of dominance, but also just standing like that can increase serotonin levels in the body. And serotonin is what gives you kind of that, that get up and go, uh, mentality. And, uh, so, I mean, the book. Um, I'm. 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 Hopefully, I'm going to get to the book one day. But everything. He's got a whole bunch of lectures and stuff up on YouTube. It's like over 500 hours of his lectures from his actual class, and it is really, really insightful. So say his name again, Doctor Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. All right, I'm going to check that out just because you're making me. Yeah. All right, Hunter. What you got today? Yeah. So mine is a podcast that I really like. Uh, I I really enjoy history. I like reading history books and just learning about history and history movies, all that type of stuff. I found this uh, podcast called Hardcore History by Dan Carlin, and it is a phenomenal uh, podcast. He just talks about history. He breaks it down. Uh, He doesn't call himself an historian, so he just kind of talks about it in a way that, um, you know, we would think about it. Like he thinks about, puts himself in their shoes. What's it like to live during this time? Um, These are really long episodes, so be prepared to just pause it when you get to it. I just listen to podcasts when I'm driving. So I listen to a little bit, pause it, get to the next one. It might take me a week to get through one of them, but he just goes through different parts of history and really breaks it down. And if you're going to start with one, I would recommend the, the wrath of the cons, uh, series, uh, talking about Genghis Khan and the Mongols and all that type of stuff. It's really, really cool. Um, he has, I think his latest ones are on iTunes and uh, the ones before that, you have to go to his website and you can pay like a dollar for, for the episode or something like that off of his website and download them. But I would highly recommend checking out Hardcore History if you like history at all. Yeah, Hardcore History. So now I'm going to hardcore transition to what I tried to do just a few minutes ago and end our episode. <laughs> How was that? So one thing we're asking our audience to do is to uh, give us a rating and to share. We really believe in the things. Only that, good ones. Yeah, only, you have a bad only rating good ratings. Rating yourself. Specifically mentioning Chris and his uh, nutritional vocabulary it would be awesome. <laughs> so to give us a star rating and to share this uh, these episodes with people you think that would actually need it would help us out a bunch. We appreciate you being listeners to the podcast. We'll be back next week where we will be discussing training and weight loss. <laughs>